Well, hello, church friends. Thank you so much for joining uh, with us on another online service. If you're traveling, man, we hope that you have safe travels. If you're not when you're at home, we for quick recovery. Uh, we just want to remind you, man, our heart is uh, for this service is to be just a supplemental, uh, extra Bible study, extra to get some uh, God's word in if you're traveling. Uh, our heart is that every single person is uh, connected to a local church, a community of believers. Well, my name is Chris, and I'm one of the pastors here at Agora Bible, and I have a couple announcements before you, uh, for you before we get into God's word. Uh, the first one is uh, we love partnering with you in prayer, and if you have any prayer requests, uh, we just find it to be a privilege to be able to pray with you. So you can text your prayer request to 97000. 97000. Text those prayer requests and we will receive them and we will pray for you throughout the week. The other thing is, man, we just have a lot going on here every single week at uh, the church uh, with adult ministries, uh, children's ministries, high school, junior high, uh, just something for every single person. We want to make sure that you know where to find that information. So you can check out our website at agorabible.org or our church center app and you can find all of that information. And if you have any questions, you can feel free to contact us and we will be happy to get back to you. Well, lastly, uh, we can't do what we do without your faithful generosity. And uh, we just uh, be so grateful if you would consider making a donation. You can do that on our website under the Give tab or on our Church Center app. And uh, again, we're just so thankful for your ongoing generosity. Well, with that said, let's go ahead and get into God's Word. Well, thanks, Chris, and welcome to another online service. Thankful that you're diving into God's Word with us in this series that we're in titled Powerful Prayers. And we're just looking at different examples of impactful prayers. And this week, man, I, I was just kind of working through ideas for this series. And I was like, I cannot have this topic or this umbrella without at least spending a little bit of time talking about a gentleman by the name of Jabez. The Prayer of Jabez. You might be familiar with that term from a, a book that came out in the, uh, in the year 2000. It's called The Prayer of Jabez by a gentleman by the name of Bruce Wilkinson. And when it was released, man, it hit the top of the New York Times bestsellers list. It sold over in its uh, course there over uh, 10 uh, million copies of this book. I don't know how many of you uh, read it. I know I read it back then, but even just in prepara preparation for this week's message, I spent some time uh, reading it again. It was very uh, formative and got actually a lot of uh, negative criticism as well. A lot of people thought that it uh, was really uh, too, they criticized it for uh, reinforcing just confusion around pro the prosperity gospel, the, the thinking that's kind of snuck into the church, that the Christian life is marked by health, wealth, and uh, success. And, uh, and really, when I was going through it again this week, I was, that, that's not really at all what I took from it. Instead, I, I saw it as a, a God-honoring prayer, one to be uh, revered, one to be uh, replicated even in the life of a believer. And so I think there's a lot for us to learn from this just wonderful prayer uh, found in First Chronicles. Let me just pray before we explain further what this prayer is about. Lord Jesus, thank you so much. Uh, for this chance to gather and to study and to look at some of the powerful prayers in Scripture. My hope is, is that people leave with just a, a greater understanding of what is at their disposal 
through the power of prayer, the impact that can be had, the, the influence that can be had. God, I, I pray that you'd teach us about prayer, uh, that even this uh, would be a foundational prayer for uh, those of us that are listening here today, God. We invite you to teach us in the strong name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Well, a little uh, background. Uh, we don't know a ton about this guy by the name of Jabez other than what's actually mentioned in our text today. But what we do know is we know that he's found hiding in the least read section of the least read book of the Bible. He's found in 1 Chronicles. 1 Chronicles is like reading a, a Hebrew phone book, basically. And prior to this prayer, prior to this description, we're given a list of over 500 different names. And so chapters 1 through 4 have about 500 names of the genealogy of Judah. But what's interesting is after this very extensive list, our author, who we believe was led by the Spirit, actually pauses in that list of names of the genealogy. He pauses in that to make mention of, uh, uh, of this gentleman by the name of Jabez. And it's interesting, there must be something different or something unique about him. And so let's take a look about this pause and what is said about Jabez. It's found in 1 Chronicles 4, 9, and 10 says, Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. And his mother called his name Jabez, saying, Because I bore him in pain. Jabez called upon the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my border, and that you would hand my, and that your hand might be with me, and that you would keep me from harm so that it might not bring me pain. And God granted what he asked. All right, we'll stop there. Just a little more background. As far as we know, as far as we understand, Jabez lived in southern Israel after the conquest of Canaan. Do you remember the battle of Jericho? What a big deal that was, them marching around and the impact that they had there. And so they're in the promised land. He's living during that time period. It was known as the uh, period of the judges that were governing over Israel. And we're told something interesting about him. We're told his name. And when you dig into it a little bit, you've realized what his name actually meant. His name actually meant causes pain. So Jabez equals causes pain. In a culture, this, this would have been difficult, especially in a culture where names meant so much. When one, uh, they actually would believe that someone's name would determine what their destiny looked like, what their future outcome. So the outlook for someone that causes pain, probably not really positive. Before we judge the mom too harshly, though, this might, was actually in a time period that took place pre-epidural. So you imagine what she may have gone through. I mean, it could have been a breech baby, or also the, the pain could have been completely outside of the birth. It could have been a painful season that she was going through as well. It may have been the loss of a husband. It may have been a difficult season. We don't know exactly but it's really heartbreaking if you think about it that she chose to memorialize her pain in the name of her son. 
think, think about that, how often parents have a tendency to continue the cycle of pain, passing it on to their children. And we obviously were reminded last week uh, an important reality that some of our internal attitudes can impact external realities. And that's exactly what was happening here. A name was passed on. I can't imagine what that would have been like growing up with that name. So many times you would have been made fun of. You imagine uh, the, the school bully having a good old time. This is Ricky. This is Bobby. This is David. And this is Pain. Unless you're a WWE superstar, that's not a name that you want to be given that's attached to us. But we're told something that he didn't allow this name, that he didn't allow this title to define him. Instead, we're told that he was more honorable than his brothers. Defying his hopeless name and dysfunctional beginning, he, he starts, he's actually known for being honorable. What does that actually mean when you're said that someone's honorable? Basically, it's, it's fairly simple. Honorable means living a life worthy of honor. And one of the things that was honorable about him is his choice of prayers. Look at the first request that he makes before the God of Israel. Oh, that you would bless me. You see, Jabez understood that the God he believed in is the source of all blessings. If you think about it, from our, our perspective, that request might feel suspicious in such a self-serving day and age that we live in, but it's really probably because we have a limited definition of what blessing is. In the modern era, you speak solely, when you say blessing, you're speaking solely often about material things, something that you acquire, the car, a house, or these type of things. But the blessing that he's referring to here is, is really much broader than that. It's a request for supernatural favor in his life. Wilkinson reminds us that it's not asking for more of what we could get on our own. Instead, it's asking for the wonderful goodness that only God knows and has the power to distribute. And that blessing can take lots of different looks. It could be healthy relationships. It could be physical health. It could be a peace of mind. It could be the spiritual condition of somebody that we love and care about. The blessing takes a lot of different looks. And if you think about it as the options of blessing were laid out on the table, most likely the material things would be the last thing you'd want to draw to draw from. As you get further along in life, you realize how peripheral and how unimportant those things are and other things that we long to see in our family, in our own life, and our relationships. Man, I'll tell you what, that's the blessing that he's coming and requesting before God. What's interesting about his prayer for blessing is, he, is that he isn't specific in it. He leaves it up to God to decide how he wants to bless him. Do you see how this is an act of submission? He's not, he's not saying, I want my desires. He's saying, I want your desires. It's the whole idea of your will be done. Basically, he's throwing himself at the, at the will of God the Father. He's submitting to how he wants to bless him. Here's the thing. A lot of us have the understanding of blessing working like this, that once you're a believer over the course of your lifetime, God drizzles a little bit of blessing over a period of time, and that amount that's drizzled is not impacted by anything. It's a predetermined amount. 
not understanding that we have a God that responds to the requests of his kids. The truth is a simple believing prayer can change what happens even in your next 10 minutes. There's power in prayer and God wants to pour out blessings on his kids. I love this song that's out by Kirk Franklin. It's, uh, it's called Bless Me. And I'm, I'm sure there's some uh, theological questions in some of the lyrics there. But man, the big idea is he's coming before God and asking for blessing. If it actually were to work, I'd play this clip in this sermon, but we don't have the opportunity. And YouTube usually shoots that down. But I'll place that in the description of this video so you can check out the song yourself. It's such a, a, a great uh, anthem and prayer before God. God. And so the big idea that I want us to leave here is uh, we might have this thinking that, man, I'm not supposed to ask for blessing because he's blessed me with so much, but he's a God. It's like bringing your request to a billionaire. He's the owner of the cattle on a thousand hills. He, he owns it all. He's in control of it all. And you're his child. Don't be sheepish about asking for blessing with a heart of submission to whatever his will is in your life. The next thing, next part of this honorable prayer of this honorable man is he asks the Lord to enlarge my border. For the selfish person, this might mean bigger barns. But for the honorable person, this means increase my influence. This is a a big difference between the two. It's again, the territory or uh, borders might have a variety of different meanings. For it's not just talking about the physical and the tangible. It's instead has a, a plethora of options of what it can mean. I like the idea of impact. My prayer and my hope for my life is that I would have a growing amount of impact and influence, not for my own ego's sake, but for the king in which I'm trying my best to serve, I would love to have a life that's marked by expanded borders. I hope that you'd pray the same for your life. It can mean a lot of different things. You're just like, well, I'm in the, I'm in the business world. Is it appropriate for me to ask God to, to grow and expand my business? I would say absolutely. If you're leading your business in a God-honoring way that takes care of your employees, that blesses the community, man, God God, uh, would love to see that expanded. Our communities need more of that. Pray for that. Ask for him to expand in larger borders. Maybe it's talking about uh, not just business. Maybe it's talking about the influence of your family and your household. And I pray for that in my own family. I want every single teenage kid that steps through the door of my house on the invite of one of my kids to come to know the saving uh, grace that Jesus Christ offers for them. And influence is a, a wonderful thing to pray for your family, for that to be expanded. Maybe it's another arena. Maybe the enlarge my border can also refer, refer to the border of my heart. Man, give me more of a compassion in a heart for the lost. Help me not to slip into the us versus them that seems to be so prevalent in our current culture as our cultural, uh, as we see cultural decline, it has a tendency as believers to want to huddle up and create a camp of us just holding tight and resisting and fighting against them. And that's not at all what we're called to. We're called to have an impact 
on so many around us that are lost and headed to a Christless eternity. Here's the idea Bruce Wilkinson, as he's presenting this, he said, man, I just, I just want people to have a desire for more, for more impact. He tells the story about how he was reaching out and explaining this to a college campus here in the state of California. And a couple of students ended up being so convicted by this idea, they felt compelled, man, we want to see more and more of people that are representing us in the state come to know Jesus Christ. So he, he writes and tells the story of these two students that uh, drove 400 miles over one weekend to the capital uh, of our state with the intent of sharing Jesus with the governor, uh, with the governor of our state. Now this is quite a years back, a few years back, so probably a shift in government since then. But here's what they wrote about their experience. They said by Sunday night, when we got back from Sacramento, this is what had happened. We had expressed our faith to two gas station attendants, four security guards, the head of the U.S. National Guard, the director of the Department of Health, Education, and Welfare for the state of California, the head of the California Highway Patrol, the governor's secretary, and finally, the governor himself. As God, as God is making us grow, we are thankful and scared stiff. Thanks again for your challenge. Man, what a beautiful response to this prayer, asking for more, wanting to see borders expand. You see, God's looking for people that want more influence. Wilkinson explains how most of us get our math wrong on this. We think that it's my abilities plus my experience plus my training plus my personality and appearance plus my past, plus expectations of others, equals my assigned territory. Basically, this idea of, uh, of me and my accomplishments. Rather than, we have a supernatural God who wants to work through us. We're just a vessel. Zechariah 4, 6 says, Not by my might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. He doesn't want us to, it's not about our abilities or aptitude. It has nothing to do with this at all. The correct math, opposite of what I just described, is my willingness and weakness plus God's will and supernatural power equals my expanded territory. He wants to give more. We're asking if you think about it for a miracle, something that wouldn't happen if it was left up to just me. Continue in the prayer, the next thing that he asked for, and it's interesting the progression here, he then asks that your hand might be with me. I like that idea. This uh, concept to understand that this world that we've been placed in is not something that we were intended to navigate on our own. We were, it was supposed to be more than we can handle. We're supposed to be come to a conclusion that, well, I, I can't do this on my own. I like back in Exodus 33, 15, Moses recognized this as he's leading the people of Israel. He says, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. In other words, I want nothing to do with any of this leadership, responsibility, expectations, unless you're walking with me. 
really every single week before I go up on Sunday morning to speak in front of the, the, the church family here, I always bring that before the Lord. I always say, God, don't let me get in the way. I need you. I can't do this on my own. I'm asking for you to use me, to be your vessel, to communicate what you once said. That's a, a healthy mentality. The feeling that you get of, well, I, I can't just, I can't do this alone. That's a healthy place to be. We don't want to get too self-confident. And that's exactly where we see Jabez is at. He's got the mentality. He understands that his abilities are limited, that he's feeble. He's got that right mentality. He's not like King Nebuchadnezzar we looked at a few weeks ago that had slipped into self-sufficiency. You see there's a dependence that's a healthy one. If you think about it, it's kind of cool that what we're asked to do here on this earth is stuff that couldn't happen unless God were involved in it. Think about any kind of ministry that you're invited to, the outcomes, the results, the impact. None of that's going to happen if it's just based solely on you. It's completely dependent on him. You're, part, you're a partner with Almighty God. And so without God's hand leading us, this life is empty. This life is vain. It's marked with the ordinary but unfortunately, too many people have gotten comfortable with that. They're not even familiar with what his hand might feel like because they've kind of settled for a life absent of his involvement. That's not how it worked in the early church. Look back with me in Acts, the early church. Acts eleven twenty one explains, The hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned to the Lord. See, when there's blessing, when there's influence, that's always going to be attached to his supernatural power. So it's completely appropriate for us to ask for it, to, put, to say, hey, I, I want your hand involved in this. And really, if you think about the present day equivalent to asking for put your hand upon me is really fill me with your spirit. For you to empower me and what I'm doing here, what you're wanting to do through me. I like what 2 Chronicles 16.9 tells us. It says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless towards him. What if we're just one plea away from more spirit-enabled exploit? What if it just comes down to simply us asking for it? He's waiting. He's like, I'm just looking to and fro for somebody that I, can, that I can pour, that I can use, that I can empower, that I can have an impact through. We'll end with this last part of his request. So basically asking for a number of things. The last one uh, after his presence is also asking for his protection. It says, keep me from harm so that it might not bring me pain. Reminds me of the Lord's prayer. In other words, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. Again, Harm, when it's referring to this, more is talking about more than just bumps and bruises. He's like, hey, he's not, it's not like us, our equivalent of saying, stay safe. That's not what he, he's praying. In fact, he's wanting to include everything that has to do with the enemy, with the evil that we're surrounded with. It's interesting, you might not catch this. 
Jabez is making reference to his own name, which remember means causes pain. So he's saying, keep me from harm so that it might not bring me pain. So what is he actually asking for? What is, he, what is, he, what is his request? I don't know if there's anyone listening that uh, remembers the era of heavyweight boxing when Mike Tyson used to just destroy whoever got in the ring with him. Probably one of the most dominant fighters of all time from my perspective, or at least in my lifetime. Watching him in a heavyweight match in his prime, you're just like, man, this guy has zero chance. So what is being asked here? Basically, when he says, keep me from harm, it's saying, I don't even want to get in the ring. I don't even want to dabble. I don't even want to take a chance. It's this idea, and it's a wonderful one that we forget so often to simply ask God to keep us away from temptation. Or it's, it's not about uh, asking for more power or more strength. It's asking, man, I would prefer to avoid it altogether. I would love to be uh, protected from temptation. Staying with that fight theme, I saw another uh, fight more recently that was highlighted on uh, ESPN. And this heavyweight fighter was getting in the ring. And it's interesting because they went in the center. They're doing that traditional stare off at each other. And at the end of that stare off, they tap gloves before the fight goes. Then the bell rings and something unique I'd never seen before happen in any fight. The one fighter, after the bell rings, lifts the rope up, steps out, and starts walking towards the locker room. Here you can check it out if we're able to play it on YouTube. Otherwise, you'll just have to take my word for it. Wait, matchup, I'm going to let you know when that man fights F.A. Ajagba, do not blink. So he likes to bring an end to opponents in quick fashion. And Curtis Harper has walked out of the ring. Wait, what? I cannot believe I've this. I've never seen this before. He walked out, he of, walked the out of the ring. He's not fighting this he guy. He walked out of the fight. ring. I've never seen this before in my life. Wow. Curtis Harper has and walked out of the ring. And the fans here in Minnesota are really upset right now because... Well, it looks to the painting of the picture, it was right. a portrait of destruction anyway, so he probably saw that same portrait. Curtis Harper is on his way to the dressing room and is walking out of the ring. So but an unbelievable account of someone making the choice, I would rather not even get in the ring. That's what we're asking for, bringing before the Lord, asking for protection from the enemy. Lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. He understood the outcome of sin. He understood if he was going to encounter, the, if he uh, falls to sin, what does sin bring you? Ends up bringing you pain. So important that we make that connection, that choose to sin, choose to suffer, to realize that when we start going down the road outside of God's parameters of his guardrails, what's best for us, man, it's just a, a life of misery. It's a, it's a life of pain. And for us to be able to skip some of that, but because of his protection, man, that's a wonderful thing for us to bring before the Lord as a request. It's kind of the uh, exposing sin for what it is, the liar that it is. It promises satisfaction and fulfillment, but it always delivers pain and misery. 
It's interesting as we finish seeing these different requests that he brought before the Lord to see what the Lord's response was. It doesn't tell us a ton of details. It, doesn't, it jumps back into the genealogy right after this. We don't hear how this played out, how God demonstrated all of these things, but it does tell us, it says, God granted what he asked, what he brought before the Lord. And it's interesting because it was such an impactful prayer that is worthy of pausing this genealogy after 500 names to just make a little mention of this guy got it right. This guy brought these requests before the Lord. It reminds me of James 4.2 says, you do not have because you do not ask. Now, hear me in this. This prayer is not the gateway to prosper to the prosperity God. It's not the name it, claim it. It's not the blab it, grab it mentality. But instead, if you think about it, it's an invitation to an abundant life, a full life, a life where blessing is poured out on you with one intention in mind. It's always been God's intention from the beginning, even when he was laying a foundation with Israel. Listen to what he said in Genesis 12b. It says, I will bless you, and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. That's the same mentality with this. We're asking for blessing so that we can be a blessing, so that he can move and operate through us, and we can have an impact and influence and be protected in the midst of that. Let me pray as we wrap up. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for this prayer of Jabez, this little hidden nugget that gives us a, a wonderful example. Man, in this book, they suggest, man, what would it look like in the next 30 days if we really committed to that prayer of bringing these requests before the Lord? I don't know, God, I know I've been impacted by this week and I wanna try implementing this and bringing these requests being more intentional with some of these things in my own life. God, I ask for more. I ask for more, not just for myself, but I ask for it as our church. I ask for it as our, our online audience right now, that you would give more, that you would bless them, that you'd use them, that you'd expand the territory, that you would be with them, that you would protect them. God, we request all of these things and believe that you're able and willing to do it. We pray this in the strong name of Jesus Christ. Amen.